So bought, a, you know, a five ten thousand dollar investment. I think today it's, you know, it's twenty million dollars. I knew absolutely nothing about crypto. Should the Kronos coins go to ten thousand dollars, please come find me because I'm never going to sell these. My queen decided this was a great idea, and I went with it. And so it's a great lesson around you got to invest in what you know. So I love this book, and I've sold I think all the copies ever. Me and his mom have sold more copies than ever. Is right here. I actually started. And I just broke our, well, this, we're going to have to up our, we're going to get a sponsor for this podcast because we just knocked our incredible pot off. That's just a bummer. All right, you ready? Cole, hold uh, on. I got, hold on. I got to do one thing. Okay, do your thing. Okay, okay, I'm ready now. Right, you're, okay, okay. Now you ready? <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, yeah, was, and I'm ready. Okay, and I'm just going to, okay, all right. You just got that one thing? Welcome back to Be Wealthy with Brett Tanner. This is episode zero, zero. Zero three. When you're gonna have thousands coal again, that joke never gets old. You've got to start with zero 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 three. Today we are talking about what I'm investing in in 2024. What am I excited for? Here on the Be Wealthy podcast, we talk about your money, how you can invest it, and how you can have cool experiences and incredible things with the money. We're gonna get into some cool things you could do, some gadgets, uh, but experiences. But today. It's all about what is 2024 going to be, Cole. And we have gone through a lot in the last three years, right, in terms of what's the exciting thing, the market at the moment. And if you want to figure out the hottest trend, Cole, all you need to do is go to TikTok, go to the InstaFaces. You get out there and you start seeing what the young hipsters are talking about because that is absolutely probably not going to be the thing that's going to nail it. And But here is what everyone's talking about. So I want to start by what to invest in 2024, by what is everyone else saying. And when I hear that, that is where I turn around and go to the opposite. I do not believe that money is made by following the masses. I believe it's by following where you have your unfair advantage. But so what is everyone talking about, Cole, right now? Talking about Bitcoin, it is crazy. So if you look at the charts on Bitcoin, I love looking at the historical average. And by the way, I am not anti-crypto. I'm just pro things I understand. And I think I have a base level understanding of Bitcoin. I do think that it has reached the point where, look, people, company, large companies are investing in it. It is a thing. It is real. I believe in the technology. Uh, I don't invest because I don't want to spend the time to go get into all the mechanics, but I do believe that a digital currency, there will be a play that wins. I am unwilling to take that risk on the front end. For those that are, I love that. But so I look at what happened, right? What happens in, in Bitcoin? If you look at the charts here, and I'm pulling up just Coindesk's historical chart, you know, if you go back to 2016, if we could have all got into Bitcoin in 2016, it was around $500. I, I recently was, uh, I met a guy, Cole, I met a guy that bought 500 Bitcoins in like, I think it was 2010. And he invested, let's just call the numbers, it was five or $10,000, got 500 coins. Back then, for some reason, they were on paper. So I, we might have to we might have to put that in the show notes, cool, or figure out why his wallet, like there was a, a paper version you had to back it up with, and like you basically put in a safe. It's before all like the digital wallets and the, the key, you know, all that stuff. And so anyway, did it. He really forgot about it, and he he thought he bought Bitcoin, didn't realize the name became this thing called BTC, which is Bitcoin. And so years later, right, it's on the news, it's like Bitcoin's hitting, you know, thirty thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars, and he calls the guy that originally told him about it. And he's like, hey, man, is, is BTC Bitcoin? He's like, yeah, do you still have yours? He goes, yeah, I, just, I took that paper. I just threw it in actually a lockbox. I threw it in my safe. And he still has them. How crazy is that? So bought a, you know, a five, dollars $10,000 investment. I think today that's, you know, it's 
$20 million. But if you look at what's going on, when you see the price, you know, Bitcoin got, so 2016, you could have bought a Bitcoin for $271 in January. Then you had a big run up in 17. It got as high as 19,000. Then you, you went, you went down, you're, you're bouncing around. And then when it really, things got excited was, was COVID, right? So COVID March, 2020, Bitcoin was around five grand and by per coin, by April 16, 2021, hit 62,000, bounced up and down, went back as a high, like 68. And today, as we're getting ready, we've made a big run. We're back at uh, right around 44, $40,000. $40, so volatile. It changes a lot. I don't like to brag, Cole, and I don't know if you know this, but um, my wife believes she can anticipate public uh, investing. And so my wife came to me largely, uh, she's my partner, she's deeply involved in conversations, uh, but she decided uh, in our investments, and she decided that we were going, because the Staples Center was sponsoring Crypto.com, it was going to the Crypto.com Center, Cole, and she believed that everyone was going to sit in that stadium, look at their phones and go buy, go on to Crypto.com to use that uh, to purchase uh, coins, and that the Crypto.com coin, also known as Kronos, Cole, and so I do need to do like a public service announcement, which hypothetically, should the Kronos coins go to $10,000, please come find me because I'm never going to sell these. I forget that I even own them. They're my digital wallet. But if it happens, cool, I'm sitting, uh, like I got, I got buy islands kind of money. I got some of these coins. But so let me show you what happened there. And it's a really cool example. So these coins were never very, very valuable. We got in there. The announcement was made like October, November, 2021, that crypto.com was going to go live. And as of December 1, it would be the crypto.com where the, the, where the Staples Center used to be, the Lakers game, Lakers Stadium. And we bought $75,000 worth of Kronos coins at about 20 cents each. And this is around October. And so what immediately happens is the thing you never want to happen in investment, you know nothing about coal. You do not want this to occur. It, overnight, roughly within 30 days, it goes to 90 cents. And so I turn, what well, was almost four or five X. So I turn $75,000 to $300,000 in a month. Never happened in the history of my investing career. Could not be better. And then look what happens next. We ride it all the way down. And now we've currently managed to turn um, $75,000 and about 30,000. So what a tax play Cole, One of the things we don't teach in wealth, what a tax advantage. If you just light a bunch of money on fire, you can ultimately get a really, really cool tax advantage. So I tell you that story to say what happened. I knew absolutely nothing about crypto. Uh, my lady friend, uh, my queen decided this was a great idea and I went with it. And so it's a great lesson around, you got to invest in what you know. So just because your neighbor is talking about crypto.com or NFTs or digital real estate or whatever, if you want to go all the way the, on the inside, study it, learn it, be a part of the groups, the on, you know, the get, join a Facebook group, get a meetup that's talking about it, study, read the books, read the materials, do all those things. And you love it. You should play there. If not, you've got to play where you've got a, an unfair advantage. And it's a, it's this funny story about noise. One of my favorite stories, if you take two piggy banks, right? You take one piggy bank, you know, my kids have got, you know, when they were little, they had their little piggy banks, they're putting the coins in. You get a piggy bank, you fill it all the way up. It's totally full. You put all the coins, it can't hold another one and you shake it. It almost doesn't make any noise. You can hear a few coins rattle, but it almost doesn't move. Then if you just put five coins in an empty piggy bank in there and you shake it, 
it makes a ton of noise. And that's exactly how investing is, right? Is that the the piggy bank that only has the least amount of money, you shake it, it makes the most noise. So uh, what, sometimes when you're getting the advice online, just because it's loud doesn't mean it's effective. It's just the lead, it's the full piggy bank, piggy bank doesn't always make the comments. Some of the ridiculously wealthy people aren't online sharing their ice combo macchiato every single day. They're actually out making money, right? So you've got to think about, is it real? Is it just noise? Or is there reality, right? So in 2024, what else are we going to see? We're going to see subject to as an investment strategy. Subject to meaning someone's got an existing mortgage, people trying to take that over because they want to get a lower interest rate as an investor, right? If I could take over someone's three and a half percent, 30 year fixed mortgage, we're on the investor. If I buy that same home today, I'm going to have an interest rate of probably seven and a half percent as we sit here today on the investment side. So if I can get a 30-year mortgage at three and a half, I can't get that conventionally, right? So subject to is out there. There's a lot uh, of people going after it. People are doing it wrong. If you're going to do it, you got to be stand up. You have to do it the right way. And if you have to make sure that you pay that no matter what. You're also going to see funds. 2024, there is never a shortage of people that are launching, uh, whether that's syndications, real estate funds, things that actually may not make sense. Like right now, I mean, we're in Phoenix, Arizona. There are still people going into permitting into permits to build apartment complexes, even though the apartment, the investment may not actually make sense today, right? It may not pencil with debt rates, insurance costs and taxes, but because they raise the money, they're going to go forward. So if you're giving your money to someone else, they need a long track record of success. Have they been having success for 10 plus years and doing what they're trying to sell you on? Or is this their first family of funds? So be, you're going to see in 2024, no shortage of funds. You're going to see all the loud noise around crypto. You'll see other coins come on. You're going to see subject to the thing, unless rates drop dramatically, you're going to see more and more funds out there. So where should you put your money? Where am I putting my money? Again, it goes back to that unfair advantage. And I'm going to give you the story, uh, a couple examples of unfair advantage, but start thinking about how do I take my expenses in my life for my business and how do I turn those into income? So I want to give an example. I, I only have a few private coaching clients and I've had this client forever. And he was spending as a real estate agent, he was spending about $3,000 to $4,000 a month on photography for his listings, right? Every time he goes out and works with a seller, they hire him to sell his home. And he goes and does this incredible photography. Sometimes he does a drone, sometimes a twilight photos, all the photos you see online when you go to whatever realtor.com or Zillow, he's got those photos, right? He's spending three or $4,000 a month to hire a photographer, a third party company, go out and do it. So he reached out to the photographer and says, Hey, look, do you want to grow this business? Or would you be interested in actually scaling out a business? The photographer says yes. And so he goes to him and says, Hey, what if I bought part of your business? And then I help promote it to all my friends who are large real estate agents in my area. And we got you more business. So the first thing I want to do is I want, I'd like to get as an investor, I want to get my photos done at cost. That's a, one of the requirements of my capital, me coming in as an investor. So instead of paying $3,000 a month, the photo business is about a 30% profit margin business. So if you subtract out the profit, we'll pay all of his costs. He can't lose money to do these photos. Now, my coaching client's only paying $2,000 a month. Well, the business, right, was making about 3,000, his 30% was about $3,000 per month. The business made roughly 100 grand a year. And so what, what happened there? He went from paying $3,000 a month to actually getting paid $1,000 to have the photos. Right, it's a really interesting story around taking an expense 
in turning on what you invest in, how can you take your expenses and turn those into income? So for we were growing our, our different companies and we needed more space in the building next door. I'm in this condo suite here. Building next door wasn't for sale. Uh, but I went to the gentleman over there. I said, hey, dude, I really need more space. I'd love to buy your building. I don't want to move. Uh, would you be interested in selling? He says, well, I'll sell anything at the right price, which is a really, really smart answer. Typically, all of my stuff would be for sale at the right price, too. And I go to him. I said, dude, what number do you want? He says a number that was completely insane. It was way more than what I thought it was worth. And I replied with perfect. I'll take it because I don't want to move my building. And even though I was paying at that time what I felt was a $50,000 premium to buy the property, uh, I knew over time it would make a lot of sense. And I was going to incur more than $50,000 in costs in my time, my staff's time, moving, build out, all those things to move to a new space. Plus, I own it. And I'm a huge believer in buying and owning real estate long term. So I didn't need the full space though. It had, a, it had a warehouse out back, which I really needed, and I didn't need the front office. And so I financed it on a 20-year fixed mortgage, and my payment on that was about $1,700 a month. And so my immediate goal was how could I go get free rent? And so again, how could I make an investment? My investment, I bought my building, I leased the front office out for $1,700 a month. So essentially, I'm getting my mortgage paid down. I, I have this office space in the back. It's about a 2,000 square foot warehouse. And I have that at no cost, right? It's an example of, you know, taking expenses and how can I turn those into income or, or offset it entirely? So there's tons of examples like that. But when you look at your own business and your own life, where are those things for you? The key here, right? Start with what are the biggest expenses? If you've got a P&L detail and you sort it in your business, if you sort that by your largest expenses, go look at how can I, is there a way I could somehow be in that business? Can I promote that business? Do I have other friends that would be interested in it? How can I lower, how can I turn my expenses actually into income? Next area I'd have you look at, right? When we're thinking about where should you invest in 2024, and I'll end the call where I'm placing my money, but where you should invest, where does your deal flow come from? Where do you actually get deals? So if most likely, right, the best investments come from the deals you're already doing. How can you go find those, right? So if I'm a real estate agent selling single family homes, likely I'm going to run into transactions where I could flip those properties. Unfortunately, a lot of the opportunities we have in life, they show up like work. Right, you get that weird call that as a real estate agent, hey, I've got a listing, it's about an hour away, an hour and a half away. Imagine it's a Friday night, I've got date night plan with my wife. They only want to meet on Friday at six o'clock PM. It's an hour, hour and a half away in traffic from my home. And it's a lower price list. And they tell me, hey, I'm I'm in I haven't made my payments in two months and it's gonna foreclose or it's in foreclosure or whatever the story is, it's a distress situation. What are we likely to do, right? As human beings, we might overqualify that. We might actually ask so many questions that we talk ourselves out of going. And the reason I say it, that opportunities sometimes show up and sound like work. All of those deals, I was teaching a class once here locally, and the guy says, hey, I've got a referral for this town in Whitman. And so Whitman, for the don't know Phoenix, it's kind of far. It's like, it'd be an hour and a half from where I'm sitting right now. And he says, hey, who knows a great real estate agent out in Whitman? And I raised my hand, I said, I do. And, and normally in real estate, if you give someone a referral, they'll pay you 25% as an agent to refer that business. I know someone, I gave him my cell phone number and he joked, he's like, dude, that's your cell phone. I said, yeah, it, I, you're, you can get me to drive across town for $15,000, right? I, I'm totally good with driving across town for 15 grand. And so you got to ask yourself, like, where, where does the deal flow come from? That opportunity sounded like work to him. To me, it sounded like money and opportunity. I could either have a commission out of it, or is there some other way that I could, you know, if it was a distress situation, can I go out there and buy that property? Like, do they actually need cash? Is that the best thing for the seller? 
And so you, your, your access to deal flow might be something different, but so what is, you know, your unfair advantage? There are deals all around you all the time. I absolutely love the story, the acres of diamond. It's great on audible. We'll drop a link in the show notes, but the, the principle, I won't ruin it here, but the thing is we're all, sometimes we're so close to the diamonds. We just don't realize it. Right. So many times in my life, I've been so close. I was at, if I'd have done five more of them, or I would have just kept going, I would have naturally reached success. But so many times we stop early. We stop right before the success is going to come. I always believe in my own life, it's the last 20% of my effort that creates all the results. When I'm out there, if I'm going to make a hundred calls today, all of my results are going to come from the last 20. It's always been the case that it comes, it's, it's that one more, right? You take Ed Milet's book, one more. Right. If you keep doing the one more and you keep getting better, you put yourself in the path of success. Uh, I want to talk about alternative investments. Right. When you look at 2024, and if you look back over the last 20 years and you studied the asset allocations of average people and wealthy people, what you would see overwhelmingly would be we've moved away. There's less dollars, not dollars uh, as a percentage. There's less dollars as a percentage in the stock market today than there was 20 years ago. And part of it's the emergence of alternatives, which is just alternative investments, not stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and that stuff. It's all of the other things, real estate, hard money lending, businesses, syndications, private placements. And so people are moving their money into, into different asset classes than they were 20 years ago. A big reason for that, right, is the emergence of the internet and our connectivity. As we've been able to get more connected to other people, we're able to get connected to, like we talked about in a previous episode, we're able to get connected to the number one authority, to tribes of people that are doing the same things we want to do. And we're able to be exposed to really great investment opportunities that we just weren't able to be exposed to previously. And so you're seeing this just push to alternatives, right? It's made it much easier for us to see it. Also, if you want to go look at, you know, the percentage of adults, uh, of a U.S. adults that are invested in the stock market, if you went back to the peak would have been uh, 07, right before the 2008, 65% of adults, U.S. adults were invested in the stock market where, you know, as you look forward to today, by 2016, that was down to 52%, right? So less and less of us are investing in the stock market, which makes sense uh, because there are other opportunities out there. Again, I'm always looking at could you buy your own building? What's the greatest investment property that's near you, whether that's a commercial building, a single family house that's in your area? All right, then I wanna talk about as you think about your investing for 2024, do you believe in diversifying, right? Do you believe in diversifying as a strategy? I absolutely think diversifying is crap. And the reason is, Cole, you can, you're going to get into a space. The best thing you can do is put all your eggs in a single basket and then really, really watch the basket. Now, I do think like all of my money happens to be in real estate, right? But it's different types of real estate, different asset classes inside of real estate. So in that model, am I diversified somewhat? Yes, but I'm all inside of real estate. So how do I think about it, right? Well, I, I, I own the title company, right? So that's one way I'm diversified, I invest in that. I own a, I'm actually, we have our banking license here from Arizona. So I, I lend a lot of my money out in hard money loans, right? I've got single family houses, I've got commercial buildings, but all of my holdings are in real estate. It's because that's where I have my unfair advantage. So I don't believe in diversity. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, I think it's easier to master a single asset class and keep going deeper into it as you get better and better at investing funds in it. It seems like you you 
As the entrepreneur, we find a better, more efficient way to do less work and make more money, right? And that only comes from the act of doing something again and again and again, right? And we're always the entrepreneur looking for a more efficient way to invest money. Ray Dalio will drop some links in the show notes. If you haven't watched his video, How the Machine Works, it'll actually teach you how our economy works. It's very predictable. There are cycles. There's a short-term debt cycle. There's a long-term debt cycle. You've got to go watch his video. We'll drop the link. It's I think it's 30 minutes to an hour. It's completely worth the watch. You will understand all of the, of the economics, the levers that really drive what occurs and what, what makes the change uh, in the economy and how the how the machine actually works from an economic standpoint. His all-weather portfolio, right, is built with five ETFs, right? And so Dalio says, if you're, again, and this is that, if you're going to set it and forget as that surgeon who says, hey, I want to plug my money in here. I just want to cut people open. I'm a brilliant gifted surgeon. I make a ton of money and I just want to invest passively and go home and live a great life. I think that's awesome. Ray Dalio would tell you 55% of your portfolio should be bonds, 30 cents should be stocks, 7.5% commodities, and 7.5% gold. Now, again, Brett is investments in this. I would have 0% in this because I'm going to be um, 100% real estate all the time. So should you invest in different things at different ages? That's a question that comes up all the time. And I think you're, yes, you're going to invest different things at different ages, and I'll just kind of give you my flavor for it. I, I believe in your 20s, the investment you should make is you. You should be spending your money on your education because if you've got, uh, you, it's the biggest win to get your income up. If you're making $100,000 a year, and let's just say I'm gonna invest $20,000 under the best case scenario possible, right? If you invest $20,000 and you make a 20% return, you're making $4,000 over the course of the year, right? It's not going to change your life. $4,000 divided by 12, $333 a month is not going to change your life. However, if you went and invested that money in your education, you joined a mastermind or you got in, you got a coach, right? Well, that would be a 50% return as opposed to a 20% return. The best part about that return though is you don't ever give it back. The knowledge you learn from that, you keep with it forever and you're able to get that to pay dividends again and again and again and again. And so I look at that and differently. In my 20s, I would go all in my skills. I would overly invest in my education, probably so much so that my friends and families are gonna think I'm a moron. I think if my parents knew early on the amount of money that I was spending uh, on education, on books, tapes, masterminds, and things, I, I think it would have blown their mind. I even see today when I tell someone what a mastermind costs, like, oh my gosh. It, but again, they're measuring the cost. They're not measuring the investment. Again, there's no cost in life. There's only good and bad investments. So as you get in your 30s, I would continue that education, but hopefully now the education needs to yield additional income. Right now, as your income is surged, that's the place where you start in your 30s, you start putting in gas on the fire and you're investing in the asset classes, the businesses and the things you believe. And again, as your is your so and as you get 40, 50, as your net worth grows and grows, right, you're going to likely take less risk and you're gonna probably want less noise. I know my hair, my hair used to be jet black. I dye it just for this podcast. I dye it all white so it looks super cool, like Ryan Serhant. <clears throat> I'm trying to follow his lead. But so <laughs> Is I've gotten is I've gotten further down this path and I've had more resources. I want to take less risk. I want less noise. All of this white hair came from noise and investments. Uh, it wasn't anything else. It was absolutely noise, investments, and companies and things that got noisier. So as I get older, I'm looking to take a larger sum of money and invest it 
more quietly and more passively, right? Again, in your 50s, and I think you always want to ask the question, how do, I, how do I lower my risk without totally changing the returns? As you lower risk, you're going to get less returns. That's okay, but just be aware that you're constantly working working to how do I get more efficient and how can I get a better return with less noise? Uh, as you think about educating yourself, there's five books here that I absolutely love that I think everybody should read. The first one is by my mentor, coach, and good friend, Mr. Gary Keller, uh, the millionaire real estate investor. Uh, everyone should read and understand that book. It is a it is a it's a harder read, but it's necessary. You need to understand debt, equity, pay down, and how to actually generate the kind of money you want passively as an investor. It walks you through the mechanics, how to think about investor. It walks you through the myths. It's a really great book, and it's one that you're going to read again and again. Uh, I love this book, and I've sold, I think, all the copies ever. He's a, I've heard he's a great dude. Uh, me and his mom have sold more copies than ever, and that's a joke. It's Invest in Debt by Jimmy Napier. If you want to play in the debt side of things, I love the way that he explains the process of investing in debt. If you read that book, make sure you've got your 10BII calculator. It's an app you can download for Google or Apple and go do the calculations so you understand it. The most used app on my phone is the 10BII calculator because I'm constantly looking at different returns and how I could do those differently. Uh, Psychology of Money, we've talked about that before. Morgan Housel, I think it might even be, yep, Psychology of Money. How many things do we actually have here? Oh, invest. We got psychology of money. Boom. We've got invest in debt. We don't have the millionaire real estate investor, which is probably the book I have the most copies of. Uh, Fastlane Millionaire. Oh, we do have it, Cole. Now I'm going to throw down. Gosh, we have all not planned. Uh, we've got Fastlane Millionaire. Amazing book to think about different structures and ways. He talks about content, media, things at scale. Great, great book. Love that guy. The Almanac and Duvall, how cool do you have to be where you don't even write a book, someone else writes a book for you. It's one of the top five books I've read in my entire life. The Almanac of Naval Rivikant. Uh, I hope that's how you say his last name, Cole. I don't know, but this dude, Forwards by Tim Ferriss, who writes no forwards. This book is awesome. will change how you're thinking about money. Uh, but go and start a process. I would tell you what you invest in. You should know the first thing you should invest in regardless of age is reading more. Reading's a long lost art. I get blasted online. And right now, Cole is in our control room and he's freaked out because he knows what I'm going to say next, which I do not believe that Audible is reading. And I've been blasted. I've been very controversial about this online. Uh, I cannot believe it's controversial, but I do not believe that Audible is reading. I believe it's listening. I don't believe it's the same thing. And I believe there are two different purposes. It doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to Audible. But I believe if you're buying books with the, not this is, does not apply to fiction. But if you're buying nonfiction books for the purpose of getting better and learning, I need, number one, a highlighter or a pen. I dog ear it. I'm writing it down. I'm taking notes. And I'm building out action items because I'm going to use the book to go improve my life. Now, anytime I say this, someone's like, I get the same thing on Audible. Cool. Show me your notes and action items. Like, oh, well, I kind of take a picture. No, you don't. You don't do any of that. And so it's entertainment. And it's it's slightly better than entertainment, but I would all, someone said, well, is it better than just zoning off or listening to music? I don't know, probably not. But maybe it's slightly better. But read real books. Reading is a long lost art. Also go out and take a speed reading course. So I love telling the story, Cole, and this is where you'll come in. So Cole started working uh, with me about a year ago. And when you work with me directly and we work day to day, uh, I'm going to constantly give you books. Have you read it? God, I'm gonna it's ask super you to, easy. And I'm going to ask you to come back with a book report. So Cole's been here a few weeks. 
and I've probably already handed him three or four books. And I'm asking, Cole, why isn't this happening? Why aren't you reading them faster? And you said, uh, reading's hard and it's kind of takes forever. Yeah. Reading's hard. It takes forever. Perfect. And, so, and I was like, and this is an audible, you know, you can't buy an audible. And I said, well, have you ever taken a speed reading course? And he said, no. I said, well, if you want to get better at something, how do you get better if you don't like take a course or take an active interest in getting better? And I said, if you go take the speed reading course, uh, go research the best ones of today. I took one a long time ago that won't be relevant here, but go research one. And if you do it, uh, I'll reimburse you for it. And so Cole, tell them you started reading. They give you an assessment and tell us what happens. How many words are you reading before and how many after? It's Jim Quick's course. And we'll put it in the description. Um, I started at around 150 to 200 and then it went up to 650 by day 21. And that's words per minute, correct? Words per minute. Yeah. So you're reading 150 when you started and you say you got up to six, I can do that math. You got up to 600. That is a four X improvement. The other part of that, right? Is it, it, it increases your comprehension, right? It pushes you and it gives you tools, right? Cole to go and figure out how to comprehend more. Yeah. There's a lot of really unique ones. Like certain things to do with your hands and certain ways to think while you're going around the words, how to actually take notes properly. So it's how to actually read versus just going over the words. So, but so think about this, Cole, the average person is going to go on. They're probably going to read four books a year. Just by take, just by taking this course, they're reading 16 books per year. Now you go, what is that? What is that worth? Or what does that mean over the course of your life that you forex something every single, I mean, it's a, you end up with just two radically different lives. And it's the reason why I push so hard on folks that like, you've got to up your skills. It is so easy today to get educated and create your unfair advantage. And so when we're looking at the best investments of 2024, the best investment first is always you. You might be on this podcast right now where we're 40 minutes in. You're like, what in the hell is this guy telling me to go read book? The best investments you. Because in the example I gave you earlier, if you invest $20,000, you get a 20% return, you got four grand. Four grand's not gonna make you wealthy. If you can increase your income by 50% each year now, and then I don't care what you put your money in, as long as it doesn't, as long as it's not something that goes to zero, you will make a ton of money, right? Next thing I wanna talk about is you gotta think about your tribe, right? There's a group of people as you go on this wealth journey that you've gotta get people that are on the same journey as you, your peers. They want the same things, they have the same beliefs, they have the same core kind of foundation and you're firing at the same thing. So again, I go back and find these Facebook groups. I go find the top educators. When I wanted to learn the debt space, the long-term seller financing debt space, I did the research. Who are the top guys out there? And there was one standout, a buddy of mine, Eddie Speed, is the foremost trainer in notes, creative financing, but really his niche is long-term holding a note portfolio. What did I do when I want to get better? I reached out to him. I went and spent a day with him. I Ultimately, I got his course. We become friends. I've spent the night at his ranch. But the point was I went and got the education. I paid the money to go learn the skills. And as a result of that day, I literally can go back to that moment and show millions and millions of dollars that I made from going out there. But I, but I had to put up the investment, right? And so when I look at the best investments, it may not be the best investment this year as an office building, is the office market as we stand here is kind of crazy. People aren't coming back in from COVID, you want to work from home. So office buildings may not be the best investment, but you investing in yourself and creating new skills and new outcomes could be the thing that takes you to where you want to go in 2024 and beyond. So find them. Do they have a mastermind? Do they have something, a live event that you can lock into that occurs multiple times per year? Um, all right. I want to talk about, I got a couple questions that we had submitted, um, submitted through our, our, our Facebook group. 
And I want to go through those here. And so how do I invest myself at a young age? How do I deal with impatience? I think if you're watching this in your in your 20s, you're in your early 30s, and you're, you're getting started in your investment journey, I think the biggest challenge you're going to have is going to be patience. One of my favorite books is right here. I actually started and I just broke our, well, this, we're going to have to up our, we're going to get a sponsor for this podcast because we just knocked our incredible uh, pot off there. Cole, that might have been a, that was like from ancient Egypt, I think. That thing probably cost upwards of $5,000. i am pretty certain. That's just a bummer. But uh, all in the spirit of be wealthy, whatever it takes. Stop Acting Rich. This is the book that young people need to read. It's going to be hard, but you've got to stop acting rich. What does that mean? Uh, going to, if you don't have the money, the, the way, the easiest way to do it is you need to figure out what it actually costs you to live your life every single month. I call this your burn rate. I don't believe in budgeting because I think it sucks. Budgeting, absolutely. I don't believe in Dave Ramsey's live poor for poor sake. And if you live cheap your whole life, then one day you could maybe experience something awesome. I think that sucks. And so what I want to figure out, what I know about every single listener that's listening right now is I know that you're very comfortable spending the exact amount of money you're spending right now, whatever number that is. You're very comfortable there. Let's just lock that in. So if you set up two checking accounts, all your money goes into a single account. And every month that, let's just pretend it's $10,000 it costs you to live. You transfer down $10,000. And so if you did that January 1, you live out January. And at the end of January, we're trying to figure out, do you have more money or more month left at the end of January? And as long as you lock in your long-term spending, provided your income is over $10,000, you're naturally going to start saving. You've got to start saving because that is the way that you're going to invest. You're going to create passive income and get the freedom you want. So young people have just got to stop that impatience. They want it all today and understand when you really study money, go to the Be Wealthy calculator and plug in your net worth. Go plug in, hey, I'm starting at 20 years old. I'm going to put away two grand a month. Where am I going to be in year five if I get a 12% return? Where am I going to be in year 10? Go use our calculator because you do it. It's going to eliminate that impatience, that race. Um, understand the game of wealth is a long marathon. You've got to enjoy the journey. It doesn't mean you're going to wait 30 years to be wealthy, but you do have to front load it with some work, some time, and put the money in. You've got to invest dollars over time to make money, get the passive income you want. Next question we had come in uh, from our Facebook group online. You can join us at, uh, we'll drop the link in the chat, but it is Be Wealthy Brett. Facebook group, you can request to join and we want to create the conversation. If you got questions, we can help answer those offline. How soon do we see success after joining a master and how do you speed it up? So first of all, it's how do you, how much are you plugged in? When you go to any event, there's two events that occur. The first events event that you actually paid for, you're going to show up, you're going to suit in, turn off your phone, uh, put it on silent, get out of your email. Have I actually went to a remarkable call. I used to take my notes on my laptop because I type fast. I like to have them electronically for later. But what I found was I get on a laptop, I get on any anything that allows me to access the internet, and I'm going to get distracted. There's going to be a lull in that event at some point, and I'm going to get online, I'm going to, and pretty soon I'm now scrolling on social media, I'm lost. Instead, what I do is I turn everything off, I put it away, I bought a Remarkable, just like a digital pad, and I take my notes on there. I play full out every minute of the day I'm in there. Next, I schedule the happy hour and dinner. I'm highly purposeful. 
There are, if you're in the right mastermind, there's very, very successful people there. Make sure you're planning for event number two. Event number two is not the event you went to. It's the one that starts the minute it's over. It starts at the happy hour bar. It starts at dinner. And go to there and get around people and ask questions. Find someone that's at the level you want to be at and ask them questions. When I was starting out in real estate, I would go to these, I've been with Keller Williams forever. I would go to Mega Camp, which is in Austin, Cole. I'd show up there, top agents in the world. It's 2008. I'm nowhere uh, in terms of a real estate agent. And I would go there. And what I realized is all of the top agents showed up at this Hilton bar. They all showed up about five or six o'clock and then they would go out to dinner. Well, I didn't have any plans because no one knew who I was. And and there was no need for them to at that point. And so what I would do is I would show up there and I would just go around the top agents acting like I was one of them. And then I would ask like, hey, what are you guys doing for dinner? Like, oh, I've got a lot of things going on uh, and making it seem as if I'm really you know, jammed up, like who's going to get to go to dinner with Brett? And I would weasel my way, weasel in a totally respectful, positive way, not weaseling Cole like it's a negative today. I would weasel my way in to that dinner. And what I would get around people, if I'm doing, you know, pick your number. If you're doing X amount, you're doing $50 million in sales and you want to do a hundred, get around people doing a hundred million. Hey, give me the three ways that you, you know, what are the three things you did in your business to go from 50 million to a hundred million? What did you actually do? Was it marketing? Was it a person? Was it a strategy? Was it a training? What were the tools, resources, and tactics that you used to do it? And in doing that, it allowed me, I mean, it shortcutted so much of my growth, right? How do you speed it up? You find someone that's already been there and done exactly what you wanted to do. I used that story earlier about Eddie Speed. He was able to shortcut what would have taken me 10 years to figure out, right? In his 40 plus year career, he has seen every possible thing. Yes, I want to know what he did right, but I also want to ask him, what did you do wrong? What was the biggest mistakes you made from growing your business to 50, if you're a real estate agent doing 50 million in sales, to doing 100 million, what was the key there? When your dental practice or the, whatever the revenues of your business went from 500,000 to a million, what were the keys that got you there, right? Asking those questions and realize how you speed it up is how quick you can implement. Ultimately, you need to leave every event with an action item list, right? You should have, take detailed notes. I always have a section where I've got action items. I got one to 20. I do the same thing every time. I take the top 10, I sort them into the top five, and then I take what is the action item I can do in the next 48 hours, regardless of how small, to move it forward. Let's just say I'm nowhere on taxes. I'm, you know, I'm kind of just having my CPA file stuff. I want to, I want to get a new CPA or have someone look at it. Great. I'm going to reach out to my network. I'm going to find a new CPA and I'm going to set up a meeting to have them look at my tax returns and see if they could find deductions in 2024 or 2023 that I could apply in 2024. What am I going to, how quickly can I do that? Well, I can immediately make a post. I can reach out to five people. I can do all that within 48 hours. The reason I want to take action within 48 hours, the data shows when you take action within 48 hours, the likelihood of that going through goes up to like 90 plus percent. The action, the, the, likelihood of you actually completing the task goes up to over 90% just because you started. The whole idea of momentum, what gets in motion stays in motion. So let, next question, that's how you speed it up. How do you quantify success and measure it? You first got to figure out what success means to you. Uh, there's going to be a money component, right? You've got your balance sheet, you're checking in on your 30-year plan. You also got to decide what's the different success measurement. Along the way, you've got to have enjoyment, you got to have fulfillment, you got to have fun. For me, it's it's all about days in the beach. I can track every year, every quarter. I can tell you how many days my feet are in the sand. In Arizona, we don't have sand uh, on the beach. We don't have a beach here, Cole. I don't know if you know that. 
Uh, there, if there was a beach here, there would be sand in it. There's not one here. We're not even close. We're five, six hours from California beaches that aren't great. So I got to go travel somewhere. I've got to be intentional. I go to my calendar. And so I measure right that time because it's, it's a time where I go to think, reflect, I read, I spend time with my family. And it's just one of those places I go. So I would determine what is your measure of success? What are you doing it for? Right? What gives you enjoyment? It, and how are you ultimately having fun, right? Do you like to do you like to play golf? Do you want to get together with your friends more? What are those relationships? Pick the people that you know are going to be in your life for the next thirty years, and figure out a way to spend more time. And is and find it is that the measurement of success you're looking for? One of the questions we got online, I talked about them. I still investing in myself um, constantly. I read somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50 books a year, about four per month. And I don't read them the way you think is like one per week. Uh, I just came back from a two week trip in Kauai and I read like six, seven, eight books when I was there. Um, so I'll kind of like in a two week period, I just have more time on the beach or more downtime than I do day to day when I'm running the companies. And so I'm still investing myself. I'm a part of, uh, I lead mastermind groups. I'm a part of others and it's a big part of what I do. And so when I look at where, where do I think the opportunity in 2024 is? It's always to invest in yourself. I am a huge fan. I'll continue to place my money in debt. <clears throat> as rates are high as they are right now, investing money in hard money loans and long-term seller finance notes makes a tremendous amount of sense to me. Uh, I'm looking at selling some of my single family rentals and moving into some triple net. I'll, I'll buy some triple net commercial buildings. I love a hard corner, the fast food restaurant or the gas station on any corner. And there's some tax advantages around investing in car washes and or gas stations to where you can get cost segregation and get a bunch of depreciation to write off your first year, which we'll cover that in a future episode. But those are my investments, myself, debt, and probably some triple net commercial building or, or will be where I'm likely to land. Uh, we're looking to maybe expand to one more market for our investment company, Arizona. We work almost all the whole state. Uh, I can't yet tell you what the new city is that we're going to, but it'll come out in the future. But go out and figure out your plan for 2024. Largely, I'd say my biggest investment that I would have you make is in you. Go out, invest in yourself. This is the Be Wealthy Podcast with Brett Tanner. Go out, be wealthy. Oh, yeah. <laughs>